Sawate Discipuli, Sawate Omnes. Welcome again to another episode of Latin and Layman's, where we're going to be doing another little Q&A because I still have a bunch of questions that I haven't actually addressed yet. I've been trying to put these questions into, well, also I'm trying to not just do all of them in one fell swoop because I feel like I would end up doing like a four-hour podcast because it seems like these Q&As can definitely run uh, a good amount of time. Um, more so than my other podcast episodes, but I hope it's reaching a certain audience and showing you guys that, well, you know, it is about Latin, it's about linguistics, it's about language, but it's also more so about um, just life in general. And I have an audience that has dynamic qualities to it, but just because we're talking about Latin and language and linguistics and all that stuff doesn't mean that... um, We can't also entertain everything else uh, embedded in our world, right? Because language is used in order to delineate these things that we're going to talk about here. So really, we're just kind of continuing on with all of our etymologizing, all of our language and linguistics. But in turn, we're tackling topics in modernity, in um, past history, um, and so on and so forth. A lot of these questions today are actually dealing with, well... Let's see, I'm going to pull them back up here real quickly. Um, While there's aspects of learning, there's some people asking about glyphosate. If you've never heard about that, I have a lot to say about that. I'm glad that they asked that question because uh, I feel like a lot of people know about it. A lot of people don't know about it. A lot of people are becoming aware about it. Um, But I mean, we were, uh, this stuff has been, we've been, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? inundated, I don't know, I need a better word, with glyphosates and all these chemicals that are laden within our foods and our crops and our soil. I mean, this has been happening for a long time. And I think that we're just finally becoming cognitively aware about this. Um, It doesn't mean that we're going to really do anything different about it, right? It's about that uh, now that we're we're no longer uh, ignorant to it. Now we are cognitively aware. Now, how do we take that cognition that we have uh, developed, cognito or cogno, cognare rather, um, means to think, cogito rather, cogito cogitare. What is wrong with me today? I don't know. It's It's an intro. I'm just ramble bambling. Don't at me, especially if you know Latin really well. It's cogito cogitare. I'm sorry. It means cognition to think, right? That's where we get cognition from, a cognitive um, cognizant and so on and so forth. Um, other things like, you know, methods on, uh, how to learn best. Um, somebody asks the best diet in order to optimize health in which I can definitely go deep into. Stay tuned for that one as well. Um, also people ask about my tattoos and, uh, autoimmune stuff again. So, uh, let's just entertain it. Let's understand. I would like to help you guys out. If you guys have questions and if I have audience members also dealing with autoimmune stuff, Hey, you know what? I'm not a doctor. I don't, I'm not providing any sort of medical advice whatsoever. I am just speaking from my anecdata, right? The, the data that I've taken from my anecdotal, uh, evidence going throughout my life, experimenting, seeing what works, what doesn't work, and then moving forward and leaving what doesn't work in the back burner. So if you're curious, you want to just stick with me, chill, all that good stuff, I'd love to have you.
With that being said, if you haven't already, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Latin and Layman's of Rhetoric Revolution. That's where you're going to find me. That's where you can go support me. Very, 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 very free way of supporting me, in fact. And, um, and yeah, I just want to shout out those. Um, we, uh, I've, um, I've reached out to my TikTok followers and uh, my people on Instagram. And I am very happy to say that we have gone from 19 to 21 new rating or uh, from 19 to 21 ratings on Apple Podcasts. That means we have two new ratings. So I, I just want to thank those that actually did that and took the time to do so. It really means a lot. Sometimes I, you know, I, I wish all of my followers, all of my friends that followed me on Instagram or whatever, or Facebook or whatever on TikTok would, you know, help me out. But um, I guess ratings don't really work out like that a lot of the time. I would appreciate it. That's what businesses kind of do nowadays. They rely on reviews more so than just, you know, because it's kind of like word of mouth in a way. It's like, you know, but hey, I'm going to leave it there. And I'm going to appreciate and be very, very grateful to those that have actually supported me. Thank you. All righty, let's not waste any time. Dive on into our first question. What is glyphosate? I've been hearing a lot about it currently, and I feel like I should have been in the know quite a while ago from Steps on Steps. Well, um, yeah, this is a really good question because I think that we don't really think about this all too often, but now it's becoming a little bit more of the forefront because we're talking so we're seeing so much um, health issues arise in our youth. I mean, um, the the presence of allergens and kids having um, anaphylactic uh, allergic responses to so many foods nowadays is so much more prevalent than it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, for those that are older um, and remember back in the day, I was doing some reading. I mean, like, you know, peanut allergies and these uh, things like this were like really, really minuscule. But now, uh, you know, kids are developing so many more allergies nowadays. And I, I don't know if it's because we're not exposing them to those at the right time in order for them to create those antibodies. I don't know if it's just like our bodies are unable to actually you know, process these stuffs because it's not actually just, you know, peanuts, for instance, it's probably peanuts laden with a bunch of laden with a bunch of chemicals, chemically laden peanuts. I don't know if that's what's happening. And then you, the, those kids are ingesting that food. And then there's that autoimmune response where the body's like, yo, this is not food. This is not something that we can actually derive a lot of nutrients from. So instead we're going to, you know, mobilize our, our white blood cells or whatever in order to basically attack what is that foreign invader, you know, and that's what happens. So really what glyphosate is, it's a broad spectrum, uh, systemic herbicide and crop desiccant. Uh, desiccant is like, you know, like a silica pack when you, uh, a silica pack that you keep in, um, beef jerky, you know, to keep it, uh, moist, but also like not, uh, like dry as well or something like that. No, not, well, actually, yeah, well, other ones were, uh, like powders and stuff like that. They'll put like silica packs in and stuff like that. That's a desiccant. That's what, um, basically, uh, zaps all the moisture. Um, so glyphosates, they're used really to kill weeds, especially annual broadleaf weeds and grasses. They compete with, uh, the crops that they're trying to sell essentially. 
Um, uh, what I know about glyphosate, it was first registered for use in the U.S. and back in this in 1974, and now it's one of the most widely used herbicides in the world, and is used in agriculture, forestry, industrial weed control. It's used in everything, even in aquatic environments. Um, what happens really is that glyphosate works by b blocking the production of an amino acid called phenylalanine. Uh, phenylalanine is essential for plant growth. So when phenylalanine is not produced, the plant eventually dies. So glyphosate is not selective, meaning it will kill most plants that it comes in contact with. So um, yeah, that's just the case. However, it's less toxic to am animals and humans than other herbicides, quote unquote. Um, but uh, now we're starting to see how even the IARC, aka the International Agency of Research on Cancer, is classifying glyphosate as a probable human carcinogen. I mean, they that is in quotations. I pulled that from the IARC um, on their website, um, as well as the U.S. Environmental Prote Protection Agency, the EPA, has concluded that glyphosate is um, not likely to be carcinogenic to humans, but I don't know. It's competing things. Uh, there's a lot of nuance here to really look at. The long-term health effects of glyphosate expo exposure are not fully understood, but again, it was ex uh, it was introduced to us 50 years ago, and I think that we're going to start compiling the data and all the research uh, in the the years to come. Right? That's how we develop research. That's how we develop, um, you know, conclusions. Is that we take all of uh, what we're looking at. And we distill it. Maybe we create a meta-analysis in order to understand how glyphosate has actually affected our population from the 1970s to now. And to be honest, things have changed, all right? Our food has changed quite dramatically. Our food is so much more hyper-palatable, hyper-meaning, high-palatable, referring to, you know, our palate, what is, you know, good to our little tonguey tongues or to sit on our little tonguey tongues and get all that taste and all those uh, receptors and whatnot and the bitter and the sweet and the savory and the umami and whatnot. But it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that we're going to start to understand that the food that we ingest is not food. It's probably more so uh, poison because when I look around at people in this world, I just see a lot of sick people. And that's what healthcare has really become. It's really just sick care and it's just mitigating people that are sick, right? That's what we were talking about with Ozempic, for instance. You know, these are drugs that are meant to be put, uh, to give it. Uh, be given to a population and to be given for the rest of their lives. That isn't health care. That is sick care, in my opinion. I think that if we're continually giving drugs in order to mitigate something that, you know, I don't know. I think our biology, I think us as human beings, if we put a lot of, you know, stock into who we are and what our bodies are capable of, I think we're, we're, we're more capable than a lot of the drugs that we're taking. In fact, what do we have to do? We have to take a drug to mitigate the symptom of another drug, to mitigate the symptom of another drug, and then it just becomes this masking of these situations rather than addressing the root cause, and that's what I love about holistic medicine. So that's what I'm going to say about glyphosate. If you have any other questions, please reach out to me. Um, 
One thing that I will note before I actually uh, leave this topic is that if you are concerned with the exposure of glyphosate, you can re reduce that exposure by avoiding foods that have been sprayed, um, aka things like corn, soybeans, especially wheat. Um, those are going to be uh, uh, sprayed a lot. I would avoid, um, oddly enough, brown rice. Um, versus white rice, I would actually seek out white rice because that brown rice, a lot of the time, if it's not like really, really, really good quality, that brown rice, even though it has the fiber that we all, are, we talk about like, oh, we got to get more fiber. Well, maybe you can not get the fiber from the brown rice because a lot of the time, the hull around the brown rice can actually soak up that glyphosate. But when you actually get the white rice, it's actually the unhulled form, right? So then uh, the, the white rice has not been exposed in as much as the um, brown rice. I don't know. That's just my two senses, but whatever. You can also really wash your fruits and veg vegetables thoroughly. Um, definitely do that. Please do that. Um, and it's still not going to mitigate it. I mean, the, it's not about like, yeah, you can just reduce your exposure. You can't get rid of the fact like now, uh, now you can't like look around and be like, oh my God, everything is glyphosate. How do I get away from it? It's too late. Like uh, we, it's like with plastics, for instance, it's like people that want to like get rid of or stay away from plastics and stuff like that. It's like, it's too late, man. Like the, the PFASs and all the ones that are really bad, like the ones that are really bad are the ones that wrap, uh, or like receipts, for instance, those are really bad. Those leach into your skin very easily, especially when uh, your skin comes in contact. And if your skin is a little bit wet, that makes it for much more of a porous nature for those PFASs to be, be absorbed actually within, um, your, your skin. Remember your skin is also another organ. It's your first line of defense, but it also, um, it, it, it can take on a lot of uh, toxins and stuff like that. That's why everybody is worried about like there's class action lawsuits about, uh, you know, old spice and how there's, you know, the, the aluminum burning uh, of the skin on the armpits and stuff like that, you know, are, and that's even worse because there are a lot of um, lymphatic uh, little spots in your, your, your axilla area, AKA your armpit. You have, uh, you know, your lymphatic nodes, your lymph nodes, which aid in the, basically the drainage of all the toxins of the body. That's why you have lymph nodes coming, uh, going from your, your head, your neck, all the way down to your feet is because it also utilizes gravity in order to get rid of those toxins. But I mean, if you're putting toxins right on top of lymph nodes, that's not good news, you guys. So don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And don't do old spice if it burns your skin. All right. Even if it makes you smell good, I'm sure you can find another one. All right. Again, thank you for your question steps on TEPS. I'm not going to stay too long on that. I'm going to move to our next one here. Um, from Bubba Up, what is the best diet in order to optimize your health? I know you seem to still be on your journey, but do you have any tips? Uh, thanks in advance. Uh, well, I love this question because uh, there is no best diet uh, in order to optimize your health. Um, and if there's anybody that ever claims there is, uh, steer clear of them because those are people that, uh, have unearned wisdom, as I like to say, uh, they, and you really need to be aware of people with unearned wisdom that are touting that they know exactly what is best for you and for me and for everybody else out in this world, because they don't really have a PhD in you. They don't have a PhD in me. They don't know that, well, humans are pretty individualistic and we all 
kind of, well, we react to things certain differently than other things. You know, like what I realized is that, well, my body felt really good when I was doing the ketogenic diet for a while, but then I did a blood panel and I found that I was actually, um, I had hypercholesterolemia at the time, high triglycerides, high HDL and high LDL. It just wasn't a good new, uh, good situation for me. So, you know, I've, I, I've, I've done different diets in order to try and figure out what's, what makes me feel the best. You guys know me. I'm always trying to figure out how to, how to feel the best every single day, day in and day out. I'm not about living long. I'm about living in the now. And if the now means that I'm going to live until I get colon cancer and I die at like 45, then whatever, then that's my fate. Anyways, I know I, I, I joke about that kind of stuff, but sometimes I joke and not jokingly joke about that as if, as if I were a stand-up comedian and talking about it. In fact, I've done comedy bits on my, uh, my stomach issues in the past and they've been really good. Actually, I've gotten a lot of, um, laughs from that. Anyways, um, experiment. It's all about experimentation. Also, it's not about demonizing anything. It's not about saying no to one thing, no to another thing, no to another thing. Because what I've read and what I've realized is that people that, you know, that are, that want to achieve health, they don't have this dichotomic um, uh, view of food, right? Where some things are good and other things are bad. Like, you know, the term orthorexia, ortho meaning right or upright or straight. And then rexia, rexis coming from appetite in the Greek. So that refers to the correct appetite, orthorexia. Those are people that are like bodybuilders and people that think that like, you know, they, they should only be eating quote unquote clean foods. That's not a healthy way to look at food because then that dichotomy flips when they decide to have a piece of cake and then it turns into a 10,000 calorie challenge that I keep on seeing on YouTube here uh, as of recent. And it is disgusting. Oh my God. There's this kid. Um, and I hate it because he's a big old cyclist too. And he's just like pushing out this garbage. It's such garbage. You know, he, he sits in front of a camera and he just gorges himself on food and he tries to eat as much as his can. His name is like Eric, the something, um, Eric, the whiz or something stupid. And I see him and it's just like, what he's doing is he's promoting binge eating. And you know what? You have no idea, but hands down, well, the reason why you see all these people in these comments, and I'm going to be real open and honest here because this is the truth. This is the truth of what our society is doing, especially with all this stupid food stuff right now. Oh my God. Like this guy's like, he, he like clocked in like 20,000 calories and like two hours or something like that. And then showed his stomach afterwards and showed how bloated it was. It was like, it was like, what, how, how, how are you even like aware? How are you even like, like awake, you know? And so, you know, all these people are commenting below saying, oh, um, how does he stay so skinny? How does he stay so this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, are you guys stupid? This kid is just throwing up all the food afterwards and he's just doing it for all the clicks and he's doing it and he's inundating our, our, our youth with really, really toxic, um, 
views on food. People like watching this kind of crap. What the hell? Like, honestly, like, why would I want to see somebody gorge themselves on food and just, I'm looking at gluttony. I'm looking at gluttony in the face and I'm, and I'm seeing that, that all of that, even if, you know, it's all hyper, like all the food that he's eating. Do you think that this kid is eating? Oh yeah. I'm going to eat 20,000 calories of broccoli and grass fed beef and uh, rice and all this stuff. And yeah, no, no, he's not. He's getting little Debbie's and Oreos and cereals and milk and whatever and donuts. And it is really sad because when people do that, it shows to other people, especially all these kids that I've talked about before, how right they are and how they, they, they take all this information from like a lot of these kids look at this guy, this binge eater on YouTube as like a figure to look up to. What the hell is that? Why are we promoting that in our society? It's disgusting. I'm going to straight up just say it. I'm sorry. The uh, Like my students uh, introduced to me what a mukbang was. What that, like, it, why? In what, in what world is there satisfaction in gorging on a bunch of food until you feel so, so, so sick? The reason why I say that is because I've done this in the past. Maybe other people have done this in the past where they just ate to the point where they knew they shouldn't have, but now they feel like crap and now they're curled over in their bed and they're bloated or whatever or blah, you know, it's just not okay. In my opinion, I'm, I'm just like, so I know I've gotten a, love me on my ramble bamble tangents, but it's just, it's so irresponsible for these people that have such a platform to be throwing out such garbage, such garbage content, such garbage stuff to be, uh, just soaked up by all these kids brains. You know, it's like when I talked about, like when I had a student of mine telling me that he's going to kickstart his fat loss, um, as a six, seven, 14 year old kid, this kid's huge. He's, uh, and he was doing a prolonged water fast because one of his YouTubers had done it and they had lost a bunch of weight. And I'm like, oh my gosh. All right. Let's have a chitty chat about this. All right. Let's have a chitty chat about what you're really losing right now. Why you're doing this. Is it a healthy way? In order to lose weight, are you actually losing what you want to lose, aka adipose tissue, aka fat, or are you losing just predominantly water and then maybe a little bit of fat and also with that probably protein, right? You're probably metabolizing some of your musculature as well. It's, you know, these, we don't understand, maybe we do, and we just are taking advantage and exploiting the fact that these kids can, you know, take in this stuff and they just glom onto it like one, none other. But yeah, I don't know. I, I saw this guy pop up. Um, it was on like one of those Facebook reels actually, uh, where it was just like, oh yeah, watch me eat like 40,000 calories. And, and then all these people in the comments are like supporting him. They're like, yeah, heck yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to try that out sometime. I'm like, oh my gosh, what the? Well, I can certainly say that that is not the best diet. The best diet for you is one that's going to work for you. And I know that that's a, an answer that's not the answer that you probably wanted. But hey, you know what? 
it's omnivorous maybe, or maybe it's vegan. Maybe, maybe you don't tolerate meat that well. Maybe you don't tolerate dairy that well. Vegan is really hard. I know very few people that are actually able to can, to uh, to do a vegan diet to a T and continue to do it and actually get the essential nutrients that they need in order to, you know, be feel the best in their life. But people can do it. Maybe you're maybe vegetarian works for you. Maybe ketogenic works for you. Maybe you're one of these gym bros that goes carnivore, and for some reason that really works for you as well. Um, what I've understood about car- carnivore is it's iterated now from just being meat and eating steaks all the time to being a little bit more, right? There, uh, I'm seeing these guys where they eat like raw milk and honey and uh, raw cheese and stuff like that. I don't know. They're all about the raw. So whatever. But it's up to you, man. Be aware. Do a food journal. See what works, what doesn't. Be aware of the foods once you eat them. Be aware of how you feel an hour afterwards, two hours afterwards. Do you feel lethargic? Do you feel bloated? Do you feel good? Do you feel energetic? Do you feel like you're ready to take on the world? Do you feel like you're you're a little sleepy deepy? For me, I've realized that I try and mitigate the amount of carbohydrates I eat until the later half of the day because I was doing some research and I realized that, well, at least for me, I I rely on you know my brain. I, w- I want to be cognitive. I want to be showing up and doing my best bouts of work at school. If I'm podcasting, whatever, I want to be on it. And so with that being said, carbohydrates don't really make me feel on it. And when I was looking at a few studies here, they actually had taken individuals um, and they had them eat a big bolus of food. It was just, you know, some rice and it was basically like a stir fry, but it was laden with a bunch of carbs in there, you know, some simple plus uh, complex carbohydrates. And what it showed was, well, it was a thermo... um, uh, scan essentially of the body and they did a thermo scan before and after they ate and before all of the heat was centered around their brain and then once they had ate all of that heat that was around their brain had been shuttled to being around the gut in order to to help the digestion process right that's why sometimes uh if you uh have ate some food and you work out really hard there's already that parasympathetic response happening, and if you really work out and you you um, you 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 like if you're lifting weights and you're especially squatting and some stuff like that, and you feel like you got to throw up, that's all of that blood getting rushed from the gut to the limbs, and your body's not really understanding how to do that. And when it's uh, when the gut uh, or when all that blood is rushed away from the gut, then you get that feeling of throwing up because then that digestion is not really being digested. All that process is now being funneled to creating energy for them leggy legs to do the squatty squat. So I uh, so that's why maybe, at least for me, I tend to get kind of sluggish after I eat carbs and stuff like that. So I, I avoid that. Um, and I utilize that as kind of a tool of mine to get me kind of prepped for bed. Carbs at night for me help me a little bit, get me a little bit more sleepy. So that's it with that one. Thank you again, Bubba Dub. Next question. Why do you cover your tattoo so often when teaching? Are you not allowed to show? Do you not like your tattoos? 
This is from Corleop, which I realized is actually just all of the keys on the, the Q-W-E-R-T-Y-U-I-O-P. Anyways, um, that's a good question. Um, well, when I was teaching a band guard for a hot second, they, they didn't allow me to, to show my tattoos. So I, you know, kept them covered and all that good stuff. But, um, now, um, I mean, I'll show them on occasion here and there, but, uh, I mean, to be honest, I love my tattoos. I consider them artwork that I've adorned on my body, but, um, I think that they're a distraction and when I teach and when I show up for my students and when I show up to, to do my job, um, you know, it's not about me and that never is about me. Um, I may be the person that, uh, is the voice for my instruction for what I'm, uh, you know, imbuing all the passion that I'm imbuing into my students. Uh, but it's not about me. It's about what I'm teaching. It's about what I'm trying to, uh, to provide. And I want my students to, to be able to be present and uh, aware or just there for it. And I feel like sometimes the tattoos can be a little bit of a distraction. It's kind of like if I were to wear, you know, a, a really silly outfit um, that was just totally different than how I typically dress. Maybe I, you know, I show up in like PJs, for instance, or something like that. And, you know, uh, with bright, loud colors, you know, that's just going to serve as a distraction. And I'm not here to be a distraction. I'm not here to pull attention to me. It's all about the, the, the information that I want to give. That's why I like this podcast is because all, all you guys are relying on is the words that I'm saying. And that if you guys actually appreciate the knowledge that I have in my head that I'm trying to throw out into the ethers here. So that's really why I love my tattoos. I've shown them on TikTok before. I have a few others that I can definitely uh, talk about on my TikTok. I've had people ask about them on my TikTok before as well. But um, yeah, that's really my my two cents on uh, my tattoos. Um, yeah, I'm I'm you know it's I I consider myself as an instructor. I consider myself the vessel for the information that I'm providing for my students and for my audience. And I want my audience to not be distracted by all the things that I have to say, because I want everybody to, to, to soak it all up. All right. So there you go with that. All right. Um, so next question here, uh, this is from no name. How is hyperpalatable food affecting our modern and younger generations? And when I say no, not, no name, nobody, uh, nobody left a name here. Hyperpalatable. Uh, uh, well, we actually just talked about this, but you know, hyperpalatable foods are uh, affecting our generations because uh, this is like one of our first. Well, yeah, it's kind of like one of our first generations where we are. Uh, or our younger generations are, I mean, it's almost, almost 50%. Let me, I'm going to check this. So, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's nearly tripled since 1975. It's funny how glyphosates were introduced in 1974. Um, but, uh, it's literally tripled. I mean, um, in 2016, more than 1.9 billion adults, 18 years and older were overweight, of these, over 650 million were obese. 
Uh, and th they're taking this from the body mass index, the BMI. So sometimes this can be skewed dependent on maybe you have more musculature. Um, and sometimes people that have a lot of musculature on their body can offset this and also shows that they're actually obese or overweight when they really aren't. They're actually metabolically advantageous. But the problem is, is that only like 12% of the population is actually metabolically um, healthy. 39% of uh, adults aged 18 years and older were overweight in 2016 and 13% were obese. And then um, 39 million children under the age of five were overweight or obese in 2020. Over 340 million children and adolescents aged five through 19 were overweight or obese in 2016. And it's just, it's, it's very, very preventable. But the deal is, is that you know, we also have to understand that uh, we have food deserts, we have, um, you know, socioeconomic issues that uh, play into factors because, you know, when when healthy food is more expensive than cheap food and the cheap food is also hyper palatable and it's laden with fats and sugars that also satiate you. So you, all that's, um, you know, it's not as much, but it also is more calorically dense. You know, people are going to be seeking out that kind of stuff more often because it's going to be more bang for their buck. I mean, for real though, we need to understand these things because it's just, um, you know, we're, I mean, we're also making our, our animals are obese, right? Um, it's, it's, it, it, and this is why is because we are, I mean, I remember when I was at Rocky Mountain Classical, 8 a.m. class, I had a student walk in and he was eating with a spoon Pillsbury icing out of the, 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 that can thing, that plastic can. And I looked at him and I was like, Jeremy, give me that right now. That is not happening. I mean, no, no wonder why I'm dealing with behaviors in school. I'm, I'm dealing with, uh, you know, kids on sugar roller coasters. They're going from hyperglycemic to hypoglycemic back to hyperglycemic back. It's this sugar coat uh, or this roller coaster of sugar. And that's the thing is like, that's when diabetes occurs is when you are inundating yourself with so much sugar that you are in a heightened state of insulin and insulin is an important hormone. Insulin gets secreted to bring down that, that blood sugar response. That's why we have insulin. But if we always have insulin being secreted, then the issue about that is that we become insulin resistant instead of insulin sensitive. Insulin resistant is another word for type 2 diabetes. Now, we call it type 2 diabetes, but back in the day, back in the 70s and 80s, we called it early onset, or wait, yeah, early onset adult uh, diabetes or something like that. It was like, yeah, it, it, it was referred to because typically adults would get it in the, um, as they got older because they, it was just diet related. So that's why they kind of just assumed that it was a part of that population. But now that it's happening to children and that we have children that are already obese at the age of 13 and they are, or we have kids that are pre-diabetic at the age of eight and 10. Whoa, that's crazy. That's crazy. We don't understand like all those things. When we start to like, when we have high blood pressure, hypertensive, 
diabetic, those are ticking time bombs in our body. We don't understand the how bad it is to be hypertensive, to have high blood pressure. Um, it's really, it puts a lot of stress on your body on the day to day. I know. And that's why, you know, people have to be put on statins and they have to be put on all these other exogenous forms to mitigate their lifestyle and their choice in being obese a lot of the time. And now I'm not saying that everybody chooses to be obese. Like I've said, I, I don't agree with the FDA saying that genetics is the number one factor. I think genetics plays a key role. I also think that lifestyle plays a key role. I also think that habits play a key role. I think that the way that you are brought up into this world is a key role. I think depression and anxiety and mental health is a key role. Look at all these things that kind of encompass obesity. All of these are kind of lifestyle related. But now that we've slapped on that label of disease, now we can tell those people People that, oh, it's just a disease you have. So go ahead and take this drug so that you can get better. Now, I'm going to go back on the whole Ozempic thing that I was talking about a while back in my last Q&A. And I was reading some cool things about Ozempic. Um, but on the whole, I think that, well, Ozempic's just the first one. Um, Big Pharma's already starting to try and create more patents for drugs like Ozempic uh, that are just, you know, there, there are both. There's supposed to be anti, uh, like uh, diabetes drug, diabetes drugs, but now they're just, you know, they're shredding weight from these people. And also, what I realized, and this is where it's kind of cool for me, is that a lot of people have reported that they also stop uh, other unhealthy habits alongside. So a lot of people have quit smoking when taking Ozempic as well. That I thought was very interesting, or other. Um, lifestyle related issues that they just kind of relinquish. Now, I don't know if that's correlation equals causation, or maybe it's just kind of like they're nitpicking their, um, their end of one. I don't know. But that being said, I think that that's a pretty interesting thing. You know, maybe Ozempic is going to be a really crucial thing to have in our day and age with the amount of obesity and overweight, uh, population that we're dealing with now. Um, but it can't be just the, the, the bandaid that's uh, you slap on and it's going to cure everything. It really is not going to do that. And it's dangerous to think that, but you know, it's what it is. Thank you again for your question. I care for my kids. I care for the kids in the, our world. And I really feel like we're setting up a, a future for them that is just, it's more dismal than how the boomers set it up for the the millennials and the Gen Xers and whatnot. I just, you know, for real. And I'm just going to kind of go off on that for a hot second because like I was doing some more reading. I've been doing a lot of reading <laughs> as you guys can very well see slash hear. Um, but uh, I was doing some reading on the Great Depression and I was doing, I was taking some stock in, uh, in what I was reading here because I was like, all right, so, you know, everybody's talking about how like housing's really awful, like we're in a, or looking towards a recession, blah, blah, this and that. And I went and I looked at the worst year of the Great Depression, which it looked like, I, I believe it was 1939 or 1940, where the average income for an individual in a household who's making around $6,400 a year. Now, 
So with that being said, if you take that number and you adjust for inflation, uh, what you can do, you can find these inflation calculators online and you put that number in and you say, how much would somebody be making um, in a modern day that would have been making back in the 30s, um, $6,000? That number equaled to being over $80,000 uh, per year. So you're telling me that the worst year in the Great Depression they're still making more than I make. More than a lot of people make out here. Especially teachers, but especially anybody else out in this world. No wonder we have a homeless problem. I mean, I've talked about homeless so much. I've talked about how it's just like, you know, it, I have such a heart for them and that population, that demographic, because a lot of them are just, they just, they, they don't have the support to get up and off the streets their bandwidth is tied to the addiction that's led to the mental illness that leads into this cycle, this cyclical cycle, where it just becomes, like I said, you know, this spiral, right? But for them, they can't level up in this world. They have too much to think about right now, which is surviving. Because I'm sure as a homeless person, you are surviving. I'm not sure. I'm absolute on that. You're surviving. You're not living. You're surviving, especially with the other people out there. It's just insanity. And well, you know what? And, and first off, people in the Great Depression, sounds like they were thriving a lot more than we are nowadays. And guess what? Have you guys looked at renting nowadays? The rents? The rent was way past due. God, that makes me want to watch School of Rock. But for real, though, shout out to my boy Jack Black. Now we're back to it. I mean, I I was thinking about moving, but then I realized anywhere that I move, I'm just actually taking an L. I'm taking an L no matter no matter what. I'm having to pay more. Um, you know, I can't really mitigate my commute. The only way I pay less is if I live with roommates. It's so unfortunate. And I talked to my dad about this because my dad treats a lot of teachers as well that are in, the, you know, older ages, like 40s, 50s, 60s. It's so unfortunate that paid professionals like teachers are in their 50s and they have to live with freaking roommates. It makes me want to cuss. It makes me so upset that we are treating, you know, wow. You know, the people that that are, are really serving the kids, that are really trying to do some sort of semblance of good in this world versus all these stupid ASS corporations uh, that are just raping and pillaging us. And as Will Smith and iRobot said, S-H-I-T-T-I-N-G on the little guy, a.k.a. iRobot. That's what the iRobot slogan should have been. S-H-I-T-T-I-N-G on the little guy. Because that's what corporations do. They just take a poop on all of us. All of us that are just trying to live. And we're trying to survive. And I don't know why I felt so inclined to just go deeper into this. But, you know, it's true. I mean, like, I've was, I, I, I've been looking on TikTok. And, you know, I've been in this camp where I'm like, oh, my gosh. I have a lot of my generation where they just don't want to work. And that's true. I have a lot of... A lot of people that, you know, 
you know, when I remember when I said like, oh, I don't think being content equals happiness. And that person was in reference to they were content uh, and happy because they had quit their job. And I'm like, well, you know, now what are you doing? What do you got? What's your purpose? What's your fulfillment? What, what are you doing? Smoking weed all day? Probably. That doesn't sound like much of a purpose in my opinion. But man, did that uh, unleash a witch hunt onto me when I said, content, content does not equal happiness, in my opinion. I love how I qualify with, in my opinion, and then they still attack me. It's ridiculous. But at the end of the day, there's still, you know, I, I get it. Why would I want to work if I realize that it's just futile, man. It's so freaking futile. It's like they're just going to keep on crapping on me and taking my money and telling me how much I'm not worth anything. And, you know, no wonder we have a mass exodus of teachers leaving the field is because it is a thankless job. It really is a thankless job. I will say it day in and day out. Um, and I do it for my students. And I think that Society really relies on teachers because teachers, they themselves are giving individuals. They are service oriented. They want to do good for this world. Not a lot of people are like teachers. They don't want to show up for everybody else in this world. A lot of people are just about me, 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 me. It's all about me. It's all about how I get better. It's all about my self-care. It's all about my world. No. All right. If you're like that, I, I don't want to interact with you because you're just selfish, but I'm, I'm kind of getting heated now. You know, it just a weird world that we live in and, uh, I'll leave it there. I've rambled, bambled, but, um, but yeah, I thought that that was a very interesting thing to, to consider and think about because, uh, Hey, you know what? If you feel like you're not doing well in this world, you're not moving forward like you thought you would. Um, you're doing pretty well. You're doing really well. And I'm proud of you. And I hope you're proud of me. I'm trying to be proud of myself more often because sometimes I get into this rut where I'm like, I'm not moving forward. I'm not progressing. I'm not, I'm just a, a you know, blah, blah, blah. Woe is me. Skip it a bop. But um, no, no, I think, I think we need to be a little bit more easy on ourselves sometimes. Um, but yeah gonna leave it there thanks again everybody hope you guys enjoyed it and remember to thank yourself and be proud of yourself and pat yourself on the back because this world is quite in flux and i don't know what the future holds but we'll see but until next time just like my mom said going to be put in my in my epitaph once I'm I've passed tempus est discedere